A few moments before midnight on New Year's Eve, while December 2006 prepared to pass into January 2007, I sat alone in the library of my parents' apartment on York Avenue in Manhattan. Twenty blocks uptown, my mother and father, my brother and sister, my brother-in-law, and my cousins had gathered for a small party hosted by my Aunt Mimi. Roughly the same distance downtown, though farther west, a million people stood shivering in Times Square. Halfway between my family and the rest of the world, I read the first pages of Benjamin Franklin's autobiography. In truth, I didn't feel much like celebrating. A week earlier, on Christmas night, I'd suffered what television has taught me to call an anxiety attack. That is, I'd sat up in bed, unable to sleep, my heart pounding so insistently that I thought I might choke on it. I got up and went into the library. This scene, too, takes place in my parents' apartment. I pulled a few books from the shelf, which is what I do when I'm feeling restless. But I couldn't read. I couldn't even see the words in front of me. Even if I could have seen them, I wouldn't have been able to concentrate enough to make sense of them. One by one, I took the books down, opened and closed them, and then returned them to their place, the whole process like some compulsive tick. After an hour of this, I woke my parents something I'd done often in childhood, but learned to stop many years ago. Weary but indulgent, my father followed me back to the library. I took up the same space on the couch where I'd sat for the past hour, and he flopped down in a chair across from me. "'What's the story?' he asked. I considered the many ways I might answer this question. "'Don't know,' I answered. "'I can't sleep. I don't remember precisely what we discussed from there,' but I'm fairly sure that the subtext of our conversation was exactly what the hell I was doing waking him up in the middle of the night after a long Christmas dinner. My father is the kind of man to whom almost everyone he knows comes at one time or another for advice. He's unfailingly generous with his time and attention, but he holds himself, and by some unspoken extension, the rest of us, to a standard. There is something about him that occasionally makes one feel the need to account for oneself. So I tried to explain. This attack, such as it was, had been unprecedented, but not wholly unexpected. At any rate, its causes weren't obscure to me. I was twenty-seven years old, and in the process of moving back home. I'd spent the previous five years of my life writing a novel that no one seemed much interested in publishing. While doing so, I'd acquired several thousand dollars in credit card debt debt that I was in no great danger of paying off any time soon, since I'd just quit my job. It was a good job, the hours manageable, the people friendly, the work, on balance, interesting. I'd told my boss, a family friend with whom I got along very well, that I was quitting because my writing was taking off. In fact, it was doing no such thing. But the truth was that she'd left me no choice. She'd promoted me and given me a raise. In fairness to her, It wasn't much of a promotion, nor much of a raise. Still, it was enough to make me feel a life I didn't want solidifying around me, a life in which I worked nine to five each day, came home to sleep for a few hours, and then sat up writing through most of the night, a life in which I felt tired every moment spent awake and restless every moment that I slept. In addition to all this, I'd recently broken up with a girl I still loved, for reasons uncertain to me even at the time I did it. As I sat with my father in the library on Christmas night, the reasons for this breakup seemed to disappear entirely. 
That one compulsive and irreversible act stood in my mind for countless mistakes and broken promises. Of course, as a necessary condition of our post-belated age, one can never merely feel adrift or turned against oneself. One must also hold certain awkward feelings about these feelings. One must recognize such malaise as banal and used up, as a kind of American consumer indulgence. One must stand detached, even from one's sense of detachment, alienated from one's own alienation. And so I dutifully did.'